This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Previously on Talk Time Live Exclusive. When it comes to this movie, 1994, oh my God. <laughs> Do you ever take time to look back at your career and realize the contributions in 1984 that you and other casts have made for a whole new generation? I don't. I don't look back to to look what the the you know the contributions have been. I have plenty of people like yourself, other filmmakers who are up and coming, who are like, "Yo, that movie you guys put together was just so simplistically brilliant to do." I mean, technically, we're no you know we're no Lucasfilm, uh, uh, but the heart of the film, the um, the characters that were developed, the, the performances that were given, you know, we filmed it in 93, in April of 93, and then it came out in October of 94. Um, so looking back on it that way, it's like amazing that uh, it holds up this far. Hey folks, this is Brian O'Halloran. and you may know me from such films as Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, and a whole bunch of USQ films. And you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime comics, movies and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter where y'all from. And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. gentlemen welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your very tired host xavier josiah on a second tank of empty due to this past weekend which was fan expo philadelphia i covered everything from thursday on to sunday and oh it was it was a lot of fun i will say that we'll talk about it more deeply because the pros and the cons of that in our next segment there uh talking about that thoroughly like i'm going off the cuffs with this one there are no notes for this one i have it all engraved in my head um but we'll be talking about that but before we even do that i want to give a big thanks to fan expo for giving me the opportunity to check out the event um Brian O'Halloran, who plays Dante Hicks from Clerks, I had a chance to interview him, which is the clip that you just heard right now. 
so if you want to hear the full interview, if you're a Clerks fan, period, you definitely want to check out this interview. Go to talktimelive.com. You can listen to the full audio or the full video version of it on there. And we talk about everything from his, you know, his journey through that movie and how much of an impact that movie has made on people. Um, and we do talk about clerks three and what to expect from there. So, you know, it's a fun, short interview that I had. I was at the, um, fan expo press party on Thursday and it was, it was a, pretty much it was an honor. It was basically full circle for me at this whole weekend involving Kevin Smith and the, and the cast of uh, clerks is pretty much full circle for me. And all through this episode, you will hear clips of audio from different things. That was the first clip that you'll hear from Brian O'Halloran. The second clip on our talk topic of the week, I'm just going to add it there. I'm going to give you a clip of um, Sean Schimmel who is, as you know, the voice of Goku from Dragon Ball Super. Um, I had the fortunate opportunity to be the first to ask him a question at his Q&A. And also, at the end of this episode, you'll get to hear me talk with Kevin Smith. I was the last person to get that. And I'll talk about that definitely on how that happened at the end of this episode when I finished with the talk topic and the review and stuff like that. So, folks... We got a packed episode for you, so let's not waste any time. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. taking the time to stop to really think that you're playing a character that is pretty much as iconic as that of that like Mickey Mouse at this point. It's, it's funny that you mentioned invoke Mickey Mouse and it's funny that you asked that particular question because uh, I have thought that and there, there are two different timelines for that. I, I'm, a, kind of a, I'm a bit of a overthinker <laughs> and so I will think about these things right and I remember when I first started on the show I went to a Target one day randomly, and there was like 20 TVs on the show all playing Dragon Ball. I was just screaming across the, and I heard my voice going across the, the Target, and it was made me really, really uncomfortable. Uh, and I was uh, really overwhelmed by it. And then I, I called a friend of mine who's a biologist. I'm like, it was just overwhelming that my voice is vibrating, and it's going into millions of kids' heads, and it's, inter- it's, it's stitching itself into them, their neurosynaptic pathways as they're growing. And then I was overwhelmed and scared. I was like, Oh my God, that's such an awesome responsibility and, 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 and thing to feel. Then you mentioned Mickey Mouse, because when I first got the part, Chris was trying to, Chris was not my friend at the time, we didn't know each other. He was trying to explain to me the gravity of how big Goku is in Japan. So he's like, oh yeah, this character's kind of like the Mickey Mouse in Japan. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, it's not that big. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't know. Um, and then I had somebody tell me, my, my, my business manager, Aaron's like, he goes, you know, dude, you're, you're, you're like, uh, what was he saying? He was like, I forgot what analogy he used, but it was like, you're like to, to anime, like, I forgot, like Elvis is to rock and roll. And I'm like, that's a bit rich. That's, I don't buy that. That's very nice of you to say. I don't think that my voice is too anime when, when Elvis, that Elvis is on a completely different stratospheric level. But it was very humbling and honoring to say that. Um, I can say also that it was part of the plan to be this. In other words, it wasn't part of the plan to have this many episodes. I have no idea what they're doing in Japan, but it was part of the plan from the time I got the part to do it as long as it takes. Because when I was a kid, I was particularly vexed by the fact 
that they would just willy-nilly replace voices in the show without really respecting the audience or the actor or, or the talent. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I was very happy John DiMaggio got his part on, on Futurama and we were all rooting for him because companies always trying to pay us less money when they continue to make more. And so we're kind of perplexed by that uh, as actors. And so I was very supportive of that because I wanted, I wanted kids to have, particularly kids, because I don't have children of my own, so I kind of look at you all as my children, as long as you're younger than me. Um, and, and so I, I, I told myself, I, I just really want to have a continuous, contiguous, something kids can rely on every Saturday, every day they're watching it, so they have a place of home with this character. And I knew I wasn't the original voice. I mean, they did it in Canada, Ian Corlett, Peter Klamas did it for the first 53 episodes or so, and then I took over in 99, but I'm like, if I'm taking over, I'm doing it, you know? I'm, I'm either doing it or I'm not, and I was extraordinarily dedicated to it. Um, and, and, and I knew it's so funny that dedication didn't, I had the dedication before I even liked the character because I didn't know the character. I'm still, I still learn new things about the character even though Goku's a particularly simple character to play, but it's complicated. And so it was just a goal, you know, so to have you guys sit in this room and have any, have any so many generations and I've got people like, yeah, I make my kids watch it, I make my grandkids watch it. I'm like, how old are you? And, and, and so it's just, it's surreal, honestly, to think that, you know, I, I look at my watch for two seconds and 23 years have gone by. I mean, I was just asking Brie, uh, my girlfriend Brie, the other day, I go, I go, honey, I think it's the 10th anniversary of Battle of Gods already. Because Battle of God, we did it in 14, but Battle of Gods came out in 13. Yeah. Well, that's next year, the 10th anniversary. I'm like, wait, that's just the new set of movies for, you know, setting up for Dragon Ball Super. And so I was just kind of astounded that 10 years have already gone by since, you know, when, when, when Battle of Gods came out, I, I thought I was done. I thought we were done. They called me out of the blue and I was like, oh, we're doing this? All right, sweet, let's do it. So the second they announced the movie, I called Sab and I was like, you ready for this? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. He's like, all right, I'll talk to you later. Like, oh, so, <laughs> so that's the long-winded answer of how I've thought about this uh, a lot. All right, so what you just heard was a clip from Sean Schimmel, the one and only Goku himself. And I went to his Q&A. I really want, like, this, this was a rare chance for us to be able to get them there. Now, here's a fun fact. When I was uh, I was at the press event for um, Reed, for Reed Pop when they did Keystone Comic Con, it was the year that was supposed to be 2020, which was the year that was supposed to be them doing Keystone and making a, the second, the third appearance of Keystone. Because after that monumental and explosive successful you know convention that they did with tom holland and you know my panel with the voices of uh overwatch you know we were going to do it again and i believe that they had the opportunity to get these guys there before but then the pandemic hit and that was it and then even furthermore i don't know could have been i don't know and i know chris Saber, uh chris Abbott and uh sean Schimmel don't normally have moderators but um i possibly have we've never confirmed it but they kept they kept leaving me hints that there's there's a possibility that i might be working that panel with them and to this day i won't know um but we end up you know moving on and working i worked with them during the uh metaverse panels instead and had the you know cast of my hero academia and and uh you know sailor moon and all that stuff back then in 2021 so it was i know there it was a big possibility that they were going to come for read pop and it would just never happen but you know credit to fan expo they were able to get them they were they loaded this entire um convention this expo 
I don't even know if they if they want to brand it a convention anymore. They call it an expo. So um, I think that's going to be the whole brand term for it now. So I thought in terms of star power, they really did a actually not even a good job. They did a great job packing the power of um, guests that they had there. It was a lot of great guests that they had in there. Um, that was one of their biggest strong points of this of this convention um they had nolan north came uh nolan north should just live in philadelphia he always does conventions in philadelphia he's been on for repop i think both years um he's down for this one too troy baker surprisingly was not i don't know if he's you know working on a um, on a project or whatever like that at the moment but nolan north was here for uh the uncharted you know fame and such so um they got a chance to get him down there we got the cast of my hero academia um which a lot of them consisted of you know people that i've uh had the chance of interviewing on for repop and they made a uh, live appearance here so i thought it was pretty cool that they were able to do that there and um who was actually let me check to make sure um there was uh cliff uh cliff chafin wasn't there he was the only one that wasn't there monica real was there and lucy uh christian wasn't there either uh justin Breiner was there uh david matranga was there so there were other and and chris abbott uh was there as well and whenever chris and sean shum will do panels they pretty much do their own they have moderators but just to introduce them in and i, I don't know if that's the i'm not sure if that is the uh their agree their terms or is that the um is that something that just at Philly Expo does? I'm not really sure, but I've noticed that whenever they do appearances that they do not have monitors or they've just got mon moderators introducing them in <clears throat> or just to ask questions or whatnot. But, um, you know, it was great to see those guys there again. And I um, thought it was a lot of fun to see those guys. I actually got a chance to say hi to all of them <laughs> over there again um, when we did a live appearance. So, uh, it was. I really enjoyed that seeing them. I, I thought when it came to the my hero cast, I I noticed that they did a lot of different uh, panels this time around. They did like at least one, two, maybe three different panels. Four panels actually. I think Todoroki did his own. Monica Riel did her own. Um, I don't know if it was just their characters that they play or just you know as the characters as well. Um, but then they also had sabbath and uh and uh justin uh briner actually do their own panel which was a my hero academia panel and then they had another class reunion voices of panel i think the problem i see with that and i'm gonna compare and contrast to what repop did um especially at new york comic-con because here you have them doing multiple different panels over the weekend but it, I feel like it's stretched it thin. I don't know if it's just an opportunity to, for people to have their own thing. I don't know where the agreement came from, but in, in, in just the capacity of the space and the rooms that they had, the theater rooms that they had. But I remember going to the My Hero Academia World Heroes Mission panel at New York Comic Con and their new huge Hall H like, uh, um, you know, auditorium can fit virtually about 5,000 people and they fit all five they 
fit them seats in. And I have pictures of I because I was working press there too. I went around that entire room, took pictures of that the capacity of that, and it filled up. So to see the rooms that we that they had there, and and here's the thing: we have in the Pennsylvania Convention Center a huge hall, and that hall is Hall D, which is the same hall that they, that we had for 2019 with Repop did um, Keystone Comic Con and had Tom Holland there. That not only did that fill up, but there were people lined up, and and there were people lined up at um at, at New York Comic Con at the Javits Center too. There were people lined up waiting to get in this you know auditorium, this huge five thousand seat auditorium. Both of them were huge, um, in their own right, and they filled those seats up. So I'm wondering why the strategy to have the My Hero Academia cast in separate smaller significantly smaller um ambiance in areas in it i think that i don't know if that was a decision on fan expo to or they don't understand the fandom of my hero academia my hero academia is huge and i feel like if they would have advertised them more i think if they would have hyped them up more um i think it could have filled up that hall d i think also not to the fault of fan expo but the city also needs to embrace the, this event or any event for that matter if like repops around if repop manages to come back to philly which i have it on hindsight i can't confirm i have it on hindsight that that's a work in progress to bring it back to philly and if they do they absolutely I mean, well, I, I I can tell you this. I've been to both places. I cover both places. I know people within both. I and I've I, I've seen Repop work thoroughly. You know, I not only just working with them, posting panels for them, but to see how they lay out everything. And they do. There are definitely things that they do better that I would like to see from Fan Expo. Um, I think in terms of just trusting their gut in terms of the star power that they have, um, their main their main theater, their main theater to be, I, I don't know what it takes. It, 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 and here's another thing that I will acknowledge too. This is the first convention that we had since the pandemic. And I think it's going to take time for Fan Expo and maybe even Repop to get it you know together and maybe actually not because you know fan expo was the first to go they tested the waters first if repop is paying attention then it's possible that they can look at what happened with that event and play off of that event so now they can work on a defense so that's the way i see it from there so i mean it, it's it's quite understanding that they may have want to budget it the situation put the put the assets where it is needed and put the assets on the star power in instead of the presentation because people need to understand regardless of what we want they have a budget they have a limit of how much they, they want to spend on the convention they can't spend uber amounts of money regardless regardless if, if you're san diego comic-con international if you're repop or read expedition um I, shoot, I forgot the name of that. I'll just say Repop. <laughs> I think it's Read Expeditions. If I look at my 
W2 form or something. But <laughs> um, it, it's, you know, if you look at Repop and you look at them, they all have to strategize. They all have to figure out where they're putting their money at, where they're guaranteed their money is going to come back. And when you're Philadelphia, it's such a test site. You know, New York Comic Con is going to sell. And it did. Um, even the crazy part, even during the time where we still had to mask up, they packed it. San Diego Comic-Con, I know they, they will pack it regardless. And now we're in a situation where we, the mask mandate has been diluted very much to the point that we are wearing masks by choice now, uh, which is also great, which is absolutely great too. And I'm, I'm really happy that we're at a state right now that we could do this. So that's even going to, for New, for like repopping New York Comic-Con and all their other cons that they're doing, um, you know, it's gonna and then what did he do in chicago it's gonna be awesome because now you know the mass mandate is down uh let's hope it stays down and it's gonna encourage people to want to come now more so the star power was there i mean they had a lot of heavyweight you know guests there as well and artists too i mean um comic book artists was there as well we had like frank cho we had um what is it mark silvestri was there um we had a, a, a nice amount of uh, great artists over there. I think they do need to, st you know, <laughs> here's the problem. The star power for comic book artists is wearing thin. If like, if it's, you have some great artists out there, but none of them have that star power. No offense. None of them really has that, that Todd McFarlane Rob Liefeld or uh, Jim Lee type of Starfire or anybody from Image from back in there or Robert Kirkman. Like, you know, if you want real comic book star power, we need the Robert Kirkmans, we need the Rob Liefelds. And trust me, for those who, we talked about this when I talked about New York Comic Con before. Those of you who thought that Rob Liefeld doesn't have a fan base, pfft, you're fooling yourself. Because at New York Comic Con, his lines, Ooh, excuse me his lines were deep and you know it would be great to have him in philly um a whole bunch of other great artists you know legendary artists from you know in philly as well you know hype them go hype those guys up as well because the comic book aspect it tends to be lost outside of the realm of hollywood and the guys that really made it famous need to be celebrated as well so i would like for that to happen too um it, I, I think like the star power was, was the real strong point of this. I think the weak point of Fan Expo or the con of Fan Expo, I think goes comes down to presentation because yes, it is formally known as Wizard World, but at the same time, it, Fan Expo felt like Wizard World with new wrapping. And if you're going to rebrand, if you're going to do uh, if you're trying to differentiate yourself from what was then the best thing to do is totally differentiate yourself from what was and i felt like it was more the same just with more star power i think we when you go into the actual uh you know the actual hall of everything then I think that's when you start to see the same because if they want us to be better if they want to compete with repop and it, i mean if repop comes 
<laughs> I know for a fact that those guys are going to bring it. But if we get in, if we want, if they want something, if we, uh, if, you know, fans want something that is in the same realm as, you know, San Diego or New York or Chicago, Fan Expo needs to bring it uh, presentational wise. Um, I don't know if it means less vendors because I don't know how much space they are, they are able to get, but maybe it's just like less vendors at this point or maybe the restructure of vendors around because it just felt like it, it just felt like more of a bizarre type of feel you had all these merchants out there which were okay but the look of it is just like it looks like a i hate to say this but it looks like kind of a glorified flea market type of feel where it's just you're just going through different places and you know just to buy stuff just to buy stuff but not not to really experience your fandom again going to san diego comic-con and going to new york comic-con i haven't been to um the other one in chicago that repop has i think ce3 i believe it's called um but it it needs to have this presentation where there needs to be showcases like if you guys go on to talktomelife.com and go to my go onto the blog page where the video the uh my New York Comic Con coverage is there, you'll see that they did had Funimation came over and did some displays over there, gave you the look of what it feels like to be in the world of you know Demon Slayer. They had a huge, and I mean huge display of Dragon Ball Z. Like there was that big that uh, you'll see the pictures in there. You'll see the big um, sculptures, uh, the big, big statue of Vegeta in in uh, ape form, and it was scaled so high. It was so huge. Then there were also like life-size other scales that you could take pictures with and stuff like that. That's what we need. That's what we want, you know, out of experience. Then they had the entire Dragon Ball you know showcase where it was like they showed figures of drag like okay i have one of the figures right now from you know from there uh as well as the my hero academia figures as well you know they had those figures on display that you could pre-order and all that stuff there and it was a beautifully it was so beautifully displayed it had a lot of band presto figures and stuff like that i don't again i don't know what it's going to take for them to get it to that level and to really make it feel like this is the place that we need to be it was here's to me fan expo was a fun party it was a really fun party new york comic-con and san diego comic-con was an event it was like you're going to a party you're going to a college party and then you go to Coachella. Fan Expo is a great, great binge party, college party. A really fun college party, a celebration. But if you want to go to Coachella and you have that Coachella-like level, that's New York Comic Con, that's San Diego Comic Con, that's um, the Chicago, the Repop Chicago event, at, you know, at its best. And I'm trying to figure out that the name of that, um, what is it? Chicago. What is the name of that event? I got, yeah, C2E2. That's what it is. So like, C2E2 is also known for being a big event as well. And big things happen there. And, you know, we want that same feel. I, I don't, I think Fan Expo should not rest on their laurels. 
and to a point of like just being the same old thing but just with a new brand because it, it from from a branding standpoint it was the point of changing the brand if you're going to do the same exact thing that you did before like i really felt like it really felt like there was no difference between fan expo and wizard world they have to bring in something that totally differentiates themselves it's like going to a restaurant and that restaurant has a signature dish that only they have that only that is a signature dish that you can only get at that one place fan expo just it really felt like a place that i've been before i can go anywhere if i need to i'm going to have the same experience that i need to what i will say as a definite positive and pro for this because for anybody and, and honestly wizard world was my first actual con too so i get it and i saw i heard a lot of kids who had their who said that this was their first con and i will say this this was a good this was a good event for first con goers and this was my prerequisite before i headed over to san diego and in in new york comic-con because then i saw what can really be done and i'm not saying that like i don't know if fan expo will ever be able to get to that level i think they'll they it's like okay you have from a from a pro wrestling analogy they're an indie company a really successful indie company let's say ring of honor before they got defunct or whatever like that before tony khan got it so they were ring of honor or even impact to that extent i actually have really hate giving them that moniker they they don't deserve that one let's just say ring of honor <laughs> or pgw whatever if you're a wrestling fan you understand but they, it's like these really it's it's these indie companies that are that flourish through and through but kind of break even all the time but then you have the aews and you have wwe and aew is kind of like the repop right now san diego comic-con is kind of the wwe they're both very successful brands doing some very distinct things that makes it their own you know they they make those signatures fan expo is that potential third even though they've been around for a long time they're that the potential third that can actually you know really do it but they they're only working nationally repop works internationally because they do cons and conventions outside of the country they're international I, they've done you know conventions in india for god's sake um in other places so i think fan expo needs to find a way to do something i don't know what kind of gimmick or whatever that they could do that will totally differentiate themselves or even level up to the to the look and feel like it needs to be to the point that like if they if any of it like say somebody like me goes to new york comic-con or c2e2 or you know um san diego comic-con again i need to say like okay we have this at philly so do i really need to go to these other places you know to travel do i need to spend all this money there in the in the air flight in the in in the hotel stays and all the stuff to go there and have this absolutely phenomenal time this unbelievable time or do i need to come to or just stay home in philly because we we're the place we're the mark to, our place to be we need to we need to have that 
um i think the other thing is not to the fault i i believe it's not to the fault of their own that i also think the city of philadelphia needs to support this as well i think our city does not embrace the fandom as well as those others um those other places that i mentioned when san diego has uh comic-con every year that entire center city shuts down like you could feel a barrier where nobody no cars are driving through within a, a short mile radius because they're packing it the city supports that there are restaurants all over the place that are in connection to everything that's going on they work together they all seem to gel together so they're in our and there are also events outside of the events as well as inside they're like they have the san diego convention center which is huge by the way insanely huge but then even still if you walk two blocks up there's a hotel which also has events too or like all their gaming stuff is in a whole nother hotel or their other events and other stuff in a whole nother hotel like i went to they went to this hotel for you know to check out the nintendo stuff and everything in there and the other stuff and the xbox stuff and the video game stuff and there's like in the hotel there are actual marvel you know studio there were marvel studios uh stat you know um actual props of these suits and everything that were in that studio that, that marvel studios actually gave them to put in this hotel it was crazy like it, you don't just have the event inside you need to have it all over the city if the city if, if the city of philadelphia will embrace the fandom like the fans would like i think it'll bring in more people not just in philly but not just in the tri-state maybe just around other parts of the country because this is the place that you want to be it'll bring more money to us I, and the, the fact that they rebuilt fill uh center city the way that they did and, and they're continuing to rebuild it we got our new um fashion district now i think this is, this is now the opportunity to embrace the fandom more and i don't know if the mayor or not is aware of the how popular these fandoms are the fact that sony has invested so like billions in anime um and how popular this this has got that this uh culture has gotten i think the other part of it is that and whether it's going to be fan expo or read pop that is going to be able to convince the mayor and the city to really celebrate all of this i think the more it's every the other thing too you can sell anything if you produce it properly you can make it as big as you i see it all the time like wwe as much as i'm not a fan of them of the recent <laughs> this is recent version of them i will admit that the one thing that they get right is that they know how to promote they know how to produce because they got it within the package that they provide it's a crappy gift but the wrapping is so well done and is beautifully uh is beautifully wrapped and it looked the presentation of it looks great that people tend to forget that within it is just it's the, the product's not good you could sell anything if you produce a great looking brand with a great plan and it, it it'll work out if they can get in with the city like not just say like okay you guys are allowed to you know use the pennsylvania convention center and all this stuff no i mean really get them on board to do something very positive which is celebrate something that'll make everybody happy 
have this thing pr uh, promoted all over the place. We got now LED screens all over Center City in market that you can produce this stuff. Like, look what you got to see what they do in New York. You know, especially when it comes to New York Comic Con and the Java Center, that thing gets celebrated everywhere. It is huge. The amount of people that I saw there, it, it in the midst of COVID, mind you. Okay, this stuff right here was it. You know, this was right after COVID. This was absolutely right after COVID, and we still managed to get people to come, and it was such a big deal. Um, even Anime New York City was able to pack it despite the fact that they had such a debacle of you know organization last year and it, it, you know to their credit to luck they're lucky that we live in a short intention society i don't know if people are going to reflect back at what happened last year with that or in hopes that we don't have to go through the same situation with the um COVID testing situation because that was it they that debacle last year was insane I'm so glad that Fan Expo didn't have to go through that because I that, that would have tested them too. Um, but Repop seemed to have done it without a hitch. Nobody's ever complained about that situation. And maybe we don't have to no longer do it again. But, you know, again, the presentation matters. And get them, look, Fan Expo needs to get Crunchyroll on board or Sony on board or whatever they need to go to to get this to get this on board and have them really come out and really represent the anime aspect to it um the i think they in terms of the main stage they need to work on getting the main stage i feel like again the whole the whole presentation the presence of the area the ambiance of the area it felt like fan expo was hesitating to go all out because they didn't know what they were what to expect and again i get it because it's the pandemic the pandemic's still around. We don't know how people are going to test the waters. Hopefully, hopefully the numbers are, you know, the numbers that they want has been uh, exceeded enough to say, like, yeah, let's invest more in this and see what happens from there. I don't know. We don't know. We 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 may never know what those numbers are uh, in this case um, or even the real numbers or whatever. I don't know how to how to, you know, how to go about it. Um, but it, I mean, overall, I mean, so far, so good. It was, it was a good, it was good convention. We needed to have something fun like this. Um, especially coming out of the midst of all that we went through in the last two years. Um, I think they did a good job overall. I think they did a good job, but definitely it could be an improvement down the line. Uh, they really want to change and really don't want to be seen as wizard world and had that wizard world's you know stint on them they really have to find a way to differentiate themselves from wizard world and others and really make a mark on air something that just is going to signify you know um be their own signature thing because right now this was a better wizard world but this didn't this didn't like really say who what fan expo really is in my opinion um i feel like i fan expo needs to be something totally different from wizard world i didn't feel like it was there um but it was it was just it was it was just 
more of the same but better but they need to go all out they need to go a total different direction in my opinion so who's let's hope that it happens but again i had a good time uh, a lot of people had a good time nobody really complained there was no really big you know issues with it i thought it went smoothly i thought um you know in terms of the guests being there majority of the guests a huge majority of the guests were there in attendance um there were i think three guests that had to decline unfortunately um so but that's actually that's a great thing because there are times when you know sometimes more people have to decline and it just happens but three people and as opposed to all the people that they have in in the lineup of guests that they had that is really good that is really really good so it was a great turnout over the weekend uh it was a fun turnout i was i wouldn't say great turnout because i don't know the numbers um it was a fun turnout over the weekend and i, I think a lot of people had a lot of fun it was just great to be back out there um saturday and, it, and again this was another thing too this was another thing i will say i think this is the reason why i felt the same too friday of course it it, it it felt very much like was a world where friday was we got a little bit of people coming in because it was you know people were coming from work or school or whatever like that so they gotta you know it's gonna take time for them to come in um but it's not so the case in other cities and i i, I don't know what's what's uh, what it's gonna take for them to really make friday a must come to type of thing to do um saturday is always going to be the pack day saturday of any convention is going to be the pack day it does it's it never fails sunday is when things are going to start trickling down now this is the part that i'm going to say where repop got it right because repop when they did the tom holland panel and they and i did my panel with the voices of with fred tattashore and, and charlie uh charlie chung it was on a sunday and sunday was hugely packed because they put the main event on a sunday and they packed five thousand people i woke up if, if you guys remember i woke up at five o'clock in the morning to get there to make sure i got there online to make sure i was you know taking care you know taking care of my the spot that i wanted and you know i was able to get the pictures that i wanted to um and for top for the tom holland panel plus i had to be there <laughs> I had to be there for my own panel shortly after. So I had to go, you know, make sure I had all my stuff had I changed into the gear that I had for um, the Overwatch panel and stuff like that. And um, it worked out. It, it really worked out greatly. And I thought it was a it really um, it, it was a very successful day. So. Something that they have to do, something that they have to do to really make it a Sunday just as great as Saturday, because Repop was able to do it and they both their panel that that tom holland panel and the panel that i did were the biggest panels of that day if not the entire weekend uh, so they have to figure out a strategy to try to get people to say i have to be there sunday i have to be there friday instead of just being there saturday because saturday is always going to be the day that everybody packs in and comes so i don't know i we'll, we'll just have to see about that but um it's it's you know first uh, first comeback good i hope their sophomore year will be better and you know work up alongside what they did here and just and and hopefully they'll do it but like i enjoyed it i had fun 
a lot of people have fun no complaints i just think when if it comes to the years coming down on this line they're going to need to change up they're going to really need to stand out and for god's sakes if repop comes back into philly and there is a possibility that they're bringing keystone back or they're coming back to philly in some form or fashion then they're really going to have to they're really going to do some work in there so all right folks that will do it for what's new in the world of acmg we're going to take a break come back and my god we're going to talk about sonic 2. i i won't even i won't even play around and tease whether this was better than the first but we're going to talk about how impactful this was in terms of video game movies in general and we'll do that right after this ladies and gentlemen this is dax xavier josiah the host of acmg presents talk time live the podcast you want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime comics movies and games such as this is miley Flanagan, the voice of naruto this is stephanie shea the voice of sailor moon this is ruben langdon voice of ken masters and dante from devil may cry hey there this is kyle abear the voice of ryu from street fighter 5 this is chris battle character designer of teen titans go here's your chance to check out all of that and more on TalkTimeLive.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Gohan from Dragon Ball Super, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Excuse me, Gohan, this is more of a narrator type thing. Uh, okay. Just do it more like a next time on Talk Time Live. Uh, next time on Talk Time Live. Don't quit your day job, Gohan. Do it. And now it's time for our talk topic of the week. Ready? Fight! Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with our talk topic of the week, and it is my review of Sonic the Hedgehog 2, possibly, arguably, the greatest video game adapted live action movie ever. And I will strongly argue this. What they did, what Jeff Fowler has done for this film is outstanding, like from start to finish. And the first one was great. It was surprisingly great. It, like the more people st- watched it more times, the more you start realizing like they got it right. They got it so right and still managed to, pr- you know, bring in a um, a real world feel to it and not damage it because we've seen movies before like the Smurfs or Masters of the Universe and stuff like that where they, you know, they have their world, but then they come into the they come to Earth and it just screws up the whole entire, you know, narrative of what the original ip was about that didn't happen with sonic now you could argue that this is kind of like sonic x where they did the same thing and you would be right and if they went that route then they did a great job doing it but i thought the first movie was surprisingly great the second movie was no fluke this they not only like superseded the first sonic movie they superseded in my opinion every video game movie ever made and that's yes including mortal kombat the original they did so much right what they did here's what they did jeff fowler and the writers basically took the video game narrative of the past 
uh, it, like they took a 90s video game narrative and added so much more depth to it and still managed to keep the essence of what that game entailed. Everything that you recognized about the game was in there, including what I was hoping for, because I said this in previous episodes leading up to this review, are you going to pay us off basically making this based around the Chaos Emeralds? And you know what happens when Sonic gets a hold of the Chaos Emeralds? They left nothing out. They 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 put it all on a table. I could I left out of there. Very, let me tell you something. I went to the movies. First of all, kudos to the Cinemark this time around because I was for the first time ever I was in a theater that did not have air conditioning in it. So kudos to them. I felt very comfortable. I didn't feel like I had to go to the bathroom or anything like that this time around. I drank a whole entire Diet Coke in there. So I was in there really kind of tired because I was already covering, you know, Fan Expo. After watching that movie, I was completely happy, hyped, and energized. I had, a, had I was full of vigor coming out of that thing. And I, I really credit this movie for helping me get through the whole entire Saturday, you know, of events that were happening. It was so well done. I loved it. Everybody was great. Everybody came back to uh, James uh, Marston, who will always be my Cyclops. <laughs> OK, he came back as Tom uh, Wachowski. Um, you know, Jim Carrey was as great as he was always. He always shows out, stands out. But I will tell you this. He his performance didn't outshine everybody else. I felt like he was he stood out, but it didn't overshadow everybody else's appearance this time around. Whereas the first one, he was the big focal point because of his portrayal of Dr. Uh, Robotnik. And I think more or less is because we know what to expect from him now. And he gave us more of the same, which was awesome. And he he redefined with Dr. Robotnik or Eggman has, you know, been he, he totally took that character and made it his own. Like his, his character is the character to really focus on at this point. Now, he 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 made it his own as much as like, you know, Hugh Jackman made Wolverine his own, you know, to that extent. He's just awesome. It plays really well with Ben Schwartz, who once again came back as Sonic and voice Sonic and did so well here. Um, you also had the return of Tika Sumter, who played uh, Maddie Wachowski. She and her sister, uh, who, who's played by, uh, give me a sec, who's played by Natasha uh, Rothwell from Insecure fame. They played off each other really well. Natasha really got her shine this time around as Rachel. Um, she was so funny in this one because they gave him more airtime. There's a little bit of a story angle with her and Randall played by Shamar Moore. And I was really surprised that Shamar Moore was in this and in this the way that he is. Shamar Moore as a person has changed so much over the years. He used to be like he used to be like half loved, half hated because he was so conceited and arrogant about himself. And in a lot of cases, it's justifiable, but you know, you, you know, it's like, if you look that good, you're not supposed to <laughs> really put it out there. He was more like a wrestling, a wrestling hill or bad guy in this case in the real world, but he's matured and he's gotten, he's so much laid back, back, uh, you know, than he was before, but he did this role with, um, Rachel, where he's supposed to be getting married to her and all this stuff. And I don't want to spoil it completely because there's some big turns and twists with the situation. If you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. But his role in here was really good. 
I, I find it very interesting that whenever he does a role, he plays a character that has some of the most weirdest, you know, facial features in, in him. Like when he played in um one of the Tyler, one of the early Tyler Perry movies, he had this cornrow wig that just looks so weird on him. Like, I don't understand why he even had to have a cornrow wig on it, it on him at all. It just didn't work here. He had this goatee, but it wasn't like shaved like goatee. His, it went all up in his like to his lip, to his bottom lip. It worked. It's not. It wasn't as weird as the the, the wig that he wore on. Um, I think it was Diary of a Mad Black Woman. I think that's what it was. But it just looked very. It's very significant. It just it it's it just stood out to me out there. But he was really good in this too. Um, I, I can't give away. I just say like he's just he's the groom to. He's uh, the fiance to Rachel. I'll just put it like that for now. Adam Polly came back as Wade. I was really great to see him. I'm a big fan of him. He's hilarious. Just saw him in Fast Foodies as well the other day, and he got his own new show coming out where he's going to be traveling along. Uh, so it was there. The big, 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 awesome surprise. Well, not surprise, but we knew he was going to be in here. The big um, deal here, I would say in this, was Idris Alba as Knuckles. Um, I thought he did phenomenal because he his voice carried to the knuckles character very well but then they really did a great job with him portraying the knuckles that we know because knuckles is a strong bodied strong-minded but kind of a naive type of character he pretty much he's pretty much like drax he he's just he's so bullheaded strong but he's he lacks total understanding of certain things so he kind of he kind of played up the drax type of character in this movie and there were times of him like oh dude he's a force to be reckoned with but then there are other times where he's trying to figure out you know and understand things that's when a comedy begins and him and his battles with sonic has been awesome and it just really well done it it there was a sense of epicness uh of an epic feel in this movie and, and almost in a sense of a marvel studios film and this whole entire film i can say definitely felt very much in the realm of marvel studios that you come out and you're going into an entire roller coaster ride and you come out feeling like whoa that was a hell of a ride and there's more to come you got the return of uh lee my, i'm gonna butcher his name lee mod dupe who uh, plays Agent Stone, aka the assistant to Robotnik, and his his appearance over here was phenomenal because he he's in a he has a new uh a, he opens up a coffee shop in Green Hill. I forgot what the name of the shop was, but it was really funny. But it, it's a front for an actual lab that you know he's just waiting for Robotnik to come back. And I also like that they speaking of that, I also like the fact that they picked up exactly where they left off with the first movie just like seeing robotnik in the mushroom world i still think that that's that's a wink wink to super mario brothers i really do um but he's in the mushroom world and he's living there and he's trying to find his get you know work his way back in he's been trying to settle for his own um his own type of coffee made of mushrooms which did not work at all he still had the a piece of robotnik still had a piece of sonic's hair that he took from the original uh film from the first film which helped him you know energize everything so he was completely obsessed and you know he's working with knuckles and finds out that 
there that knuckles is in search of sonic um and his former and his uh, former guardian because they know the location of the master emerald which can consist of all the chaos emeralds inside and it gives you the power to you know manipulate reality into the way that you want it and everything happens which makes all the sense in the world because of what robotnik did later on in the movie and it also makes sense because of what sonic does later on in the movie i will i will definitely i i will not spoil everything well all right at this point in time right now I will be spoiling the part of the movie here because I got to talk about the payoff and I got to talk about the end credit scene as well. So I, you know, from this point on, if you haven't watched it, but if you're interested in why you need to watch it, I definitely say stick around. Uh, we also got Colleen, uh, Oh, Shung Nessie who plays as tails. And I, if I'm correct, is she not the original tales from sonic from other sonic films as well because i know she does a lot of other voices of sonic um of, of uh other video games and animated series as well but it sounded like she was she is the original voice of tales and other uh sonic animations but man what a ride we had here there, um there were so many funny moments the, the moments when they were searching for the emerald and uh tales and sonic and and how they we get to see how those two first met and how they bonded so this literally is based on this feels like it really is based on both sonic 2 and sonic 3 at the same time so because if you remember sonic 2 is when tails came in there was no knuckles in the first one he came in on sonic 3 and that's when things started to turn on so they actually mixed and matched both of the games together to combine one full movie which they, and they did very well they, they balanced it off really well and you know, we got to see a lot more. A lot of what we loved about the game was absolutely shown in here. Sega and Paramount pay, spared no expense to make sure that this gave you the feel of the of the Sonic of Sonic the Hedgehog video game. Robotnik and all of his uh, robots and robotic devices was there. The huge robot, which you saw in the trailer in there, was in there. Um, it was it just everything about it they even had the, the the airplane the red airplane that that tells you know flies it was in here everything about it they just it just really felt so but it just had a real world presence to it the writing was great the the scenes were great the action was great in here it was just so much the comedy was it was hilarious i found myself cracking the hell up the entire time like i was awake the entire time <laughs> and enjoying this man it was just it was it was incredible so um but overall it, it just it it from start to finish it paid off because when it the, you're bringing the master emerald to this and my thing is like okay if you're bringing the master emerald which means this whether this is a k one of many chaos emeralds or whatever this means that we may see supersonic and boy did they pay it off because i i swear to you swear to you not i was in the theater geeking out like to myself there was a lot of people there was quite a few people in the theater i didn't want to go overboard it was like but i really was so happy 
when and how they even introduced Supersonic into the damn thing and how he reacted to Robotnik and stuff like that. It was just everything you wanted to see in a Sonic a Hedgehog movie. I was absolutely astounded by this. And man, we got a great payoff. We and, and the whole story of like this is that basically Tom and Maddie went on vacation to when they went off to I guess Hawaii to you know see Rachel get married but they were worried about Sonic being alone and him not having friends or whatnot and Sonic wanted friends too but he he knows how to have fun with himself but he my god the stuff that he did in that house when they were gone was insane up until the point where um, Robotnik and Knuckles came in to, into the scene and really wrecked the place but I just really enjoyed the idea that Sonic doesn't have any friends, but he comes across Knuckles, I mean, uh, Tails, and then later on, he comes across Knuckles, and now he has all these new friends that they're staying with in Green Hill, and it's going to be more. I am very happy to say there's going to be more because they're doing what I was absolutely hoping they're going to do, so they have the end credits, and Commander Walters and, you know, the, the, um, the agency that, you know, we're trying to, um, take away Sonic and all them because they were too much of a danger. And Sonic has done a lot of collateral damage trying to be the hero of this whole entire thing. They found out the robotic has some other things going on, uh, in his lab, including a project called project shadow. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, at the very end credit scene, they showed shadow the hedgehog. I am so hyped for this. This show, this movie did not disappoint. The writers, Pat Casey, Josh Miller, John um, Whittington, who, you know, they all did the writing, the writers and screenplays for this, did a tremendous job writing this show, this, um, this movie. Jeff Fowler did tremendous directing this movie. I'm sorry, folks. I don't think you need a crystal ball to predict the obvious of when I'm getting this movie. Not only is this getting an A+, but as far as I'm concerned right now, right here, this is getting my vote for the greatest video game movie of all time in terms of fanfare, character design, continuity, and God, for God's sakes, I'm so glad that they went and changed the look because I think that played a major factor here again. Um, the continuity, the writing, everything, and the, the lore, you know, it, it matched up strongly to a lot of what we expect and, and recognize from the video game. Mario is coming. Super Mario, the movie is coming. I, it's going to be very interesting to see if they're going to be able to, one, redeem themselves for the past Super Mario movie that we saw from back in the day. That was a utter disaster. No fault of the actors at all, because they're great actors that were involved in there. Um, but man, they they're it's going to be interesting to see where 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 they're going to do because sonic has done everything right and i felt like i was the, the game came to life i really felt like the game came to life as much as i love the new mortal Kombat, they did take a lot of liberties of changing the story and narrative around a little bit to the point that we know that it's a little bit different but it was still great sonic the hedgehog felt like they did more to give you more of the feel and understanding of what sonic the hedgehog is and it's still managing to subtly add on some things in there 
you know they didn't overdo it they didn't try to take too many liberties they kept it on the mark and it was awesome i need other companies and studios to do the exact same of what jeff Fowler and these writers have done for this movie so in hindsight my grade for this is an absolute a plus bar none go out of your way go see sonic the hedgehog 2 when it comes out on digital or on blu-ray get it there it this was just magic i love this movie and i can't wait till this comes out again um it's just so awesome just everything about it they just just go and see it so folks that will do it for this edition of talk time live Ooh, i am so tired but I, I gotta keep it moving i got so many other things i gotta do um like i said the uh blog entry article of my run through of fan expo will be up there so everything i talked about in the first segment of this episode here will be written thoroughly and it will also i also have uh pics of the events and all the stuff and what i was able to get from there as well um also if you're a clerks fan if you're a kevin smith fan go out of your way to check out my interview with brian o'halloran i would like to deeply thank brian and fan expo for the opportunity to have that interview it was awesome uh it was very it was a very milestone moment for me to be able to do that and uh and thanks to you know fan expo for you know coming back to philly and doing what they did here um i like i said i hope it was a great start to something it was a good start to something great and i hope that they continue to add on to that and really make their own mark here so um and what else i have next week i will be reviewing and talking about tiger and bunny they actually have a season two which is out on netflix right now i am currently watching it uh got a chance to watch it and found out that a certain friend of mine is in that uh season much to my surprise um and with that said happy anniversary to molly flanagan and her uh, partner lisa this is their 27th anniversary congratulations and i wish you guys the best you guys are awesome i love those two so you know shout out to both of them on that but um next week it'll be tiger and bunny season two uh they also have movies that are out on uh, netflix like netflix acquired tiger and bunny if you're a fan of tiger and bunny it'll be exclusive to netflix as of now it was that's a great acquisition for netflix i tell you that um so they have you'll be seeing those episodes and movies on there and as far as select start that video game podcast that i was supposed to do this week but i couldn't because of fan expo will be extended till next week i'll be doing the fighting game uh deal there which means ghostwire will be put on the mark for the week after from that point so don't worry that will be coming very soon so stay tuned for all that and much more but for now if you enjoyed this episode our exclusives or any episode of talk time live you could go to talktimelive.com all of our up-to-date episodes are in there all of our exclusive interviews are in there not only do i have the uh interview with brian o'halloran i also have rebecca kennedy that i talked to even prior to that and so you can talk uh listen to that interview as well all of our episodes are there and if you want to look at the video versions of those there uh, there's a um, page for exclusive video interviews on here with all of those as well you know lots and lots of different great artists animators actors uh game developers you name it it's on there comic book writers it's all there man so 
go ahead and check it out there our media page with last year's panels for the repop metaverse if you just want something really awesome to watch with some of your favorite actors of some of your favorite shows you could do that there and then of course our blog page which that will be updated very shortly uh today with the interview with the not the interviews but the um my experience my thorough experience with detailed uh information and pictures on there um you can also check out some of the figures that i have and there's a lot of good content on the blog page now about like five different pages full of blog pages now it's building up uh, my unbox series my retro uh, replay rundown exclusive interviews written interviews with people there and um everything else all in the sun so and if you want to subscribe and download to all of your favorite uh, podcasts you can do so give me a sec because i got other things up here and i went off to hinge with this so you could do so on spotify iHeartRadio, apple podcast google podcast stitcher pop being tune in audible pocket cast pandora and anywhere where you listen to podcasts folks so thank you again for taking the time to check this out and all of your support all of our new listeners and everything out there so thank you again so to end this episode, I will leave you with the clip from the live showing of Jay and Silent Bob Gets Old, their final Jay and Silent Bob Gets Old show. And uh, we'll talk about more of that in the weeks coming. But I got a chance to finally talk to Kevin and thank him for his contributions for Clerks and what it did for me. So you, what you're going to hear right now is me getting the final question uh, of the entire show. He only was able to get three because they did so much. And I just happened to get the last one. It was very fortunate and I was able to do this and it's very cool. Uh, and they're dear to me, especially with he said from here. So here's the clip of me talking with Kevin about the last scene on clerks and what inspired him to do that. And that'll do it for me on behalf of myself. This is Dak Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life and love all things, anime, comics, movies, and games. So this is ACMG presents talk time live. I am out of here. Take care and have a great week guys. Thank you for being here, and thank, thank you, you and the cast of Clerks, because if not for you, I would not be doing what I love today. I would not have graduated from college. I would have not have said screw corporate. I would not have said screw retail and everything and been happy with what I want to do. And my question- What do you do? What do you do? What makes you happy? I'm a graphic designer, web designer, and a podcaster that has the opportunity to work with Repop and work with other people that you work with. What did, what did it for me was the final scene of Clerks. And I need to know what inspired that because it was that moment when Randall told Dante, which by the way, I just interviewed uh, Brian uh, O'Halloran uh, just Thursday. I, he's, <laughs> he's awesome. Uh, I just need to know like what inspired that because it was that scene that lit a fire under my ass and said. Which one, from Clerks or Clerks 2? Clerks 1. From which scene exactly? The very final scene when those two are fighting. And the big fight scene or the conversation they have after the fight? And Randall just put it out there like, if you're not happy, why are you here? Yes. That right there was like, come on here. <laughs> Thank you. I remember writing that scene, and that is a prime example. When you, get, when you write, 
you get to do all sorts of therapeutic things for yourself. You know, writing's very masturbatory and shit, where you're just like, oh, I love what I'm doing, Because <laughs> <laughs> you're playing God, you get to make your own world and stuff like that. But um, that was me sending a message to myself, right? Like, just, you're not meant to be doing this, you should be doing something else. I was in my early 20s, and naturally I believe that. When you're in your early 20s, you're like, oh my God, I'm meant for so many better other things. Right. Um, I got lucky. You know, my shit wasn't manifest. It wasn't like this was always going to happen. We said the right thing at the right fucking time. Mm -hmm. If we had said it a year before or a year after, I wouldn't be sitting here in front of you right now. We, we benefited from luck and timing. That being said, we had a pretty fun little movie to benefit from the timing. You know, it helps that the movie's got some fucking laughs in it and shit like that. Mm -hmm. But when I was writing it, that was me trying to write myself out of that store. And don't get me wrong, I fucking love Quick Stop. Loved it then, love it now and right. stuff. But there's always a sense of like, you're not supposed to be here. Just like it's in the movie, you're not yeah. supposed to be here today. And in the movie, it's the idea that like Dante had a day off and he had to go to work. But that is a mantra that a writer is telling himself over and over again. You're not even supposed to be here today. You're meant to do something else. Yeah. And so the fight that they have is manifestation of that. It's Kevin yelling at himself. It's Kevin, you know, even when Veronica yells at Dante or tells her, your, your life is going to waste and you have so much potential it's going to waste in this pit. Yeah. That was like shit that I heard from people my entire life who were just like, you could be so much more. Like, what happened? In high school, you were into so many things, and then you just kind of let it fucking go and stuff. So when I was writing the script, all those voices come to bear, right? And then they come mm -hmm. through your own voice. And so that's why, that's why that sits there, man. And they have a fight in the third act of, of every movie. Like, I don't know, like, I, mean, I guess you guys haven't seen Clerks 3 yet, so you don't know, but they have a fight in that And, like, I remember somebody asked me, because we had a screening, and they were like, they have a fight, like, again. And I was like, they always have a fight in the third act. These movies aren't really about that much. Like, right. there's very little conflict. So, they have to have some conflict, otherwise it's just like, right. oh, these fuckers just hanging all day and fucking do nothing. <laughs> so, even for cutting a trailer, you need some sort of like, yeah, but you, in order to tell a story or something like that. Right. So once again, there is a third act, and that third act is once again a third act fight. And that third act fight is me yelling at myself. Same thing happens in Clerks too. When, you know, Randall's just like, I buy the quick stuff and reopen it myself. Yes. That is me telling myself, like, you know how you'd be happy? Go do what you want to do. Fuck your expectations. Fuck what you're supposed to do. Fuck what people think you're made to do. Do what you fucking want to do. And that's exactly what I did. And I thank you and I thank everybody involved in making that film. It was just an amazing thing. Thank you for seeing it and understanding it. <laughs>for this episode is provided by game chops check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com